series of One Family Under God for the simple purpose of trying our best to not only regenerate our families here at Grace Community Church, but in reality to affect our whole community. Because as a family is in the home, so goes the church, and so goes the church, so goes the community, and the community, so does the state, and the state, so does the country. And if ever this country needs to be changed, it's now. There needs to be a revitalization, if you will, of the principles of truth. Unfortunately, as you have been watching, as I have been watching, or hearing as I have been hearing, the sessions that have been taking place, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of truth that's happening there. So we need the truth. And this morning, gentlemen, I know the ladies, they are going to be scratching on that study guide for you. But that's okay. Load up because next week we hit them. No, I don't say that lovingly. Well, maybe. We'll see. Four vital truths for husbands. The first thing I want us to remember in our study is this. Is that God instituted marriage. Was it man's idea? It was God's plan and his purpose. And in Malachi chapter 3, it's so important that even God has initiated it as a covenant. A covenant of a family. Established by God and yet responsible for those who go into that particular covenant. It's called a conditional covenant. And, And so this morning, for us as husbands... To be aligned under God's authority and in our family to be effective for his husbands. There are four vital truths that we need to be aware of. Some of the truths are found in Ephesians chapter 5. I invite you to turn there. Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 25 to 29. And then after that we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 5. And bringing in at verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. The word love has taken, unfortunately, a different direction than what the biblical perspective is on it. We say that I love my job, or I love my home, or I love chocolate cake. That's the wrong kind of love. Obviously, we need a job for for security and, and, and providing for our family. We need a home to go to, and Lord knows, but we don't need chocolate cake. 
They all meet different needs. A chocolate cake may meet your need of a sweet tooth, but that's not the love that Paul is talking about here in Ephesians chapter 5. In fact, so dynamic it is that God says through the Apostle Paul that husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, That's a high call, by the way. If you really want to know, husbands, of how to properly love your wife, you've got to look at Jesus Christ and what he's done for the church. So the first vital truth is this, is that we are to love your wife. Love your wife. One more time, love your wife. In order to do that, the Apostle Paul highlights Three different, if you will, visual examples of what that is. The first one is this, is that the husband is a type of or a savior for his wife. Now, before you go off on me on theological issues, I'm not talking about the provision of salvation savior. But the Apostle Paul literally highlights for us what that literally means in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's the kind of love that a savior is to be. And in fact, in, in God's perspective, in his economy... He literally says that the proper kind of love is a sacrificial love. Someone's got to die. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's that kind of love that is described here for us as husbands that we should be willing to sacrifice ourselves for her. Pastor, what do you mean? I love my wife. I mean, that's the first one. Let's get on to number two. No, we got to stay here for a little bit. We, as husbands, should desire to be a savior for our wives. Now, what are you, what are you talking about, Pastor? I, I've got no clue. Well, I didn't either until I began this study. But let me share with you some things of what it doesn't mean to be a savior for our wives. As far as God is concerned, the kind of love that he is initiating here through the Apostle Paul is this. Is that God, when you talk about marital love, you've got to talk about a cross. A cross is a place of where a guilty individual was nailed to die. A cross was a place of sacrifice. Maybe at the time for justice in a society, but in reality, it's a place of sacrifice for somebody else. Jesus Christ, when he gave of himself, he sacrificed himself. For the church. And as a husband, if we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, 
then we should be willing to sacrifice ourselves for our wives. We saw in Genesis chapter 2 that as, as God was fashioning his mate for Adam, Adam had to bleed. God removed from him a rib. He performed surgery in the Garden of Eden in order to fashion for Adam his mate, his wife. Adam had to bleed for that situation. Jesus Christ had to bleed for the church. He sacrificed everything for her. And and as husbands, we should be willing to sacrifice. In fact, loving literally means that we need to carry a cross. The cross that we carry is not for, if you will, a, a form of punishment. The particular cross that we are to carry is a cross of sacrifice for our wives. We need to be willing as husbands to sacrifice that our wives would reap the benefits. Uh, too often, in, when, it, when it comes to Saturday morning, husbands do, do a couple of things that, that if it's all right with their wives, that's fine. But sometimes they don't even bother asking their wives, like throwing the golf clubs in the backseat of the car and say, I'll see you later. And they're gone for hours. Husbands need to know what it is to sacrifice. In fact, I found, it, I found it a little bit better if you could ask your wife's permission if you could go play golf. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Most of the women said amen on that one. I but husbands, as a Savior, we need to know what it is to sacrifice for our wives. The husband is to be the Savior of the wife And as the heart of that is sacrifice, if there's no sacrifice, then there's no love. Sacrifice. The second thing that husbands need to be is a sanctifier. A sanctifier. Again, the Apostle Paul says, so so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. The purpose of sanctification or sanctifier is to take a person where they are and take them to the place where they need to be. It's part of, if you will, when... When by grace through faith we've been saved, we too were engaged in this process of sanctification. I trust that you are changed a little bit better than than what you were the first time you entered into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. Old habits seem to go away. 
We create for ourselves a new look or a new vision on life. And that's what the husband needs to be. He needs to be a sanctifier for his wife. A sanctifier that means when your wife needs strength, you're the one that gives her the strength. When she needs encouragement, you're the one that gives her encouragement. When she needs joy, you become her joy. When she needs peace, you become her peace giver. When she needs anything else in life, you are the source to provide what she needs. Uh, Gentlemen, if if I could just share this with you, is, is this. Your wife didn't marry a job. She didn't marry things. She married an individual who needs to be her savior her sanctifier. And the last thing that husbands need to be is the satisfier. To be the satisfier. Notice the text in Ephesians 5 when it says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Satisfier. We as husbands need to be the one in which our wives can be totally satisfied with. And when we talk about satisfying our wives, unfortunately, the world's minds go to nothing more than sexual intimacy. That's not what this text is talking about here. That is important in the marriage, the marriage union, the marriage covenant. That is very important. But there are things that our wives need to be satisfied in and with that has nothing to do with a trip to the bedroom. They need to be satisfied that there's peace in the home. Because husbands are there to help with peace. I, I remember one time when, when we were in seminary, I, I come walking into the, into the door, into the house, and the living room is nothing more than a, 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 a minefield of toys. And, and, and my wife looks at me, Nancy looks at me, and she said, I, I'm sorry, but the kids decided to play today. I said, that's cool. Let's play. Now, you never want to step on a Lego with your bare foot. Can I get an amen? But at that time, we had these little things called jacks. Legos got nothing over jacks. Legos are dulled. Jacks are sharp. And you know the game. You, know, you bounce the ball and grab you know, one jack, and then it's the next time you have to grab two. Sometimes the children miss one. And they'll say, don't worry, dad will get it. It'll come in his foot. (laughs) As husbands, we need to be satisfiers for our wives. 
that after 5, 10, 15, 30, 50, and maybe even 75 years, our wives are still satisfied. They're happy. And the best thing we need to do as husbands is the care that we take in order to make ourselves look good, we have to do the same thing for our wives. To provide for them in ways that they too look good. And so we are to love our wives as a savior, as an individual that is a sanctifier, And lastly, as a satisfier. The second thing, the second vital truth is this, that we are to live with our wife. Live with her. Now turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. It says in verse 7, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, and is referring to wives. Dwell with your wife with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Dwell with them. Live with them with them. The Greek word for live literally means in this passage to dwell in close harmony. To dwell in close harmony. It, it, it's more than, you know, than what we ask our, when, our, when our guests come to our house. The first thing we say is make yourself at home. We're talking more than just having them sit down. We, we want them to be comfortable. We, we want them to be at peace. And when husbands live with their wives, they are to do it in such a way that there is a close harmony. And we used to tell, and we still do, we remind our children that mom and I... We are a united front. You are not going to tear us apart. In fact, when we were younger, we used to tell them, we brought you into this world. Yeah, you all know, we take you out. Live in close harmony. When our children would come to me and say, Dad, can we do this? The first thing I said is, did you ask your mother? And they would go to the mother and say, Mom, can we do this? Did you ask your dad? If they said yes, then what did they say? They said, comes ask you. <laughs> okay, then Mom and I will talk about it before we give you an answer. Close harmony in the family. It's such a peaceful situation. The home is supposed to be a place 
where not only our children come, but when husbands and wives come together, it is a shelter from the confusion of the world. It's to be a light in the midst of darkness. It is to be a place of where children and, and, and husband and wives can have that close harmony together with Jesus Christ. And as husbands, we are to live with our wives. We are to make the commitment to live with our wives, which may mean we have to make some tough decisions. There may be hobbies. There may be other things that we may have to take a look at that may very well be stealing our time away from our family and our wife. Uh, too many times what happens is the, is, is the husband says, well, I have my job and the wife, you have your job. You do your job, I'll do my job, and we'll be fine. That's not what this passage is talking about. It's talking about realizing that you have one job together, and that's the house. See, too many husbands think that when the wife comes home, she has a second job. She got to do supper. She's got to clean the house. She's got to do the dish. Oh, I got to tell you, I saw this cartoon. This is amazing. It's a cartoon where a, where a man is sitting on a chair and he has his hands and his head and he's shaking his head. And, and the wife is over top of him and, and she has her hand on his back. And, and, and the thing of it is, blessed are those who do the dishes on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> the husband, his second job is when he comes home is to live with his wife and be there for the situations. Sometimes the life situations are sticks and kerosene. I came home one day when we lived in upstate New York, 12 by 60 trailer, air conditioned only in the winter. <laughs> Heated only in the summer. Those of you that live in that situation, you know what I'm talking about. And I come home and all oh, the, ch at that time, three children are just bawling their eyes out. What's the matter? Well, you all know that you have a trailer, you have an outside fuel tank. And, and our daughter saw it was a good idea just to get sticks and open the top of the tank and throw them down in there. And, and so my wife, Nancy, caught, you know, she caught him. And the first thing that came out of her mouth was, you're going to blow up. <laughs> no, you're not going to blow up. <laughs> That's a job. It's going to be okay, kids. You're not going to blow up. But you're going to help me get those sticks out of that tank. That's our job, to live with our wives. Hard decisions, some things that husbands, that we may have to give up. And know that our wife knows that she's not in this by herself. 
The third thing, the third vital uh, truth is this, is that we need to know your wife. Know her. Notice what it says in, again in 1 Peter 3. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Know them. Husbands, if, if I was to ask you, how well do you know your wife? I'm not talking about knowing her name. I'm not talking about hopefully once in a while remembering her birthday or, or, or remember the anniversary. I'm talking about knowing her. When I do pre-marriage counseling, one of the things that, that I ask is this. Do you know what your prospective wife, what her favorite candy bar is? My wife's is York Peppermint Patty. She gets one every time we're at a restaurant. And they got those little things, you know, by the cash register. They want you to buy them so your breath smells better. But I buy them to please my wife because I know her. And she knows my favorite candy bar. One of five. It don't matter. (laughs) But in order to know your wife, that, that means something you need to do. You need to spend time with them. Someone wisely said, gentlemen, is this, is that there are two things we need to study. The Bible and our wife. Both of them are complex. And there's times you're not going to know what's going on. You need to take time. To know your wife is interesting. It starts with a big question. The question is something like this. Tony, so how... Do I know? Or what is it that you want me to know about you? You may have to turn the TV off. You may have to forget about getting the news, reading the newspaper. You may have to wait and get that later. But what you cannot afford not to do is to know your wife and spend time with her. How is it that she thinks? What is it that she's thinking about even before she says it? Most of you men know when your wife is upset at you, can I get an amen? You walk in the house and you get the look. And you know you've done something. And that's okay. Because now you can ask a question, honey, what can I do to help? What can I do? Spend time. The second thing you've got to do to, to know your wife is that you may need to give up a few things. You may need to give up a few things. I'll leave that for you to decide. You talk that over with your wife, but husbands... The best thing to know our wives is to serve them. To be a servant. A servant leader, if you will, in the home. The last truth is this. We need to honor your wife. 1 Peter 3, verse 7 again says, giving honor 
to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. We need to honor them. In order to honor them, they need to know that they are the queen of the house. Yes, in God's economy, gentlemen, we are to be the king. But not a dictator king, a servant king. But our wives need to know that they're the queen. And if you've ever studied European history, you will find out that the queen was very powerful. The queen always had the ear of the king. And there's sometimes that the queen was viewed as being the ultimate leader. And what the queen said, the country did. In order to know our wives, we also must do something, guys. I'm going to ask you a question. Ladies, I'll leave this up to you that you discuss it with them. Guys, when's the last time you took your wife out on a date? I see some heads turn on that one. Isn't it amazing that we, when we are courting our future wives, we, we, hey, I got the whole evening planned. Going on a date. But when, all of a sudden, when you get married, that changes. We come home as guys and we say, honey, what do you want to do tonight? That's not a date. A date is this. That when you come home, you tell your wife, get ready, we're going out. You don't worry about anything. I planned it all. Now, this is going to be strange for some of you guys, I know. But you got to take the steps that this date doesn't fall on the wife's decision. You've already made that. You've already made the plans. And you're taking her out and you are displaying her as the queen of the house. Sometimes a date will cost you nothing. There's nothing wrong walking hand in hand to a shopping mall. Not spending any money, just walking hand in hand. There may be an ice cream shop somewhere. You can stop and get an ice cream cone. But it's just you two. Well, what about the children? Well, husband, you got to make those arrangements. Have someone come, watch them if you need to. But your wife needs to know that she's the queen of the house. You must honor her. Gentlemen, let me ask you a question. What is your wife's favorite restaurant? Amen. We got an amen here. I see that. My wife's is Olive Garden. That's an easy deal. Husband, Lord bless you if you say my wife's favorite restaurant is McDonald's. Ah, Lord have mercy. 
What are you going to do, take her there and buy her a Happy Meal so she can have a toy? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. We're talking about honoring her. Uh, guys, when's the last time you just brought flowers home for your wife for no other reason than just to give them to her? When's the last time you brought her something that you know that she would just enjoy for no other reason than to honor her? The outcome is this, gentlemen, is this. Peter says, if you don't do these things, don't bother coming to God in prayer. Because if you don't do these things, your prayers will be hindered. And then we wonder why we have a mess in our families. Because, guys, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. If we really want to see our prayers dynamically answered and cared for by God, then we've got to love our wives, live with our wives, know our wives, and honor our wives. And I guarantee you guys, you start doing that, the house will be a dynamic place where Jesus Christ is king. And our children will know what it is to see their parents follow after the principles of God's word. Love, live, know, and honor our wives. Gentlemen, those are four vital truths that we need to live by and to instigate in our own lives. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, I thank you that the greatest example of what it is to be a godly husband is to look at what Jesus Christ did for the church. We may not be able to, in fact, we won't be able to do to the extent that Jesus did for us. But we can look at what he did and use that as an example of what we can do. And Lord, may you strengthen us as husbands, put us in alignment with you and what you have for us, O oh God, that. Our families will be strong. I pray for our families here. I lift them to you, God. And I ask that you not only would bless them, but that you would use them. Use them as lights in a world of darkness. Use them as instruments of righteousness in a world of unrighteousness. Use them as examples of Christ and the church. That your name will be glorified. I will praise you and thank you in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.